everyone on this first Sunday in the month of August. The first Sunday traditionally in the black church is communion Sunday and I know that they may be so all around the world in all churches but on this Sunday we invite those of you especially who are members of Pacoima you have received your at-home communion kit with the liturgy and everything you need to do communion at home. And I hope that you will do that. Let's begin this service with the word of the Lord. Our scripture lesson is found today in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. And listen now for the word of the Lord. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that we may go into the villages and buy food and they can buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, they need not go away. You give them something. And the disciples replied, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, bring them to me. 
Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, and he blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And now, won't you pray with me and pray for me? Almighty God, as I once again come before your people, I come seeking a full anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so I ask, Lord, that you would allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, for you are my strength and you are my redeemer. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pray it. Amen. Our sermon topic for today is Jesus Can Work Miracles. You know, there's a classic Christian song that goes, count your blessings, count them one by one, count your many blessings and see what God has done. I love that song. Well, the other night, as I was meditating upon this message, I, I did one better than counting my blessings. I began to count some of the miracles my life has needed miracles that have happened in my life. Yes, miracles. And they were many, believe me. I, I could write a book about them. So many, so unexpected, so needed, so great, so amazing. The miracles in my life. You see, life has thrown me some heavy blows from time to time. Things I... I thought I couldn't make it through. Things that came at the low times, at the empty times, at the valley crossings. And yet, a miracle happened. The fact that I'm still here is a miracle. What about you, beloved? Can you count your miracles? Oh, I'm sure that you can. Well, today we we shall focus on one of the miracles of Jesus, just one, namely the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. This is a unique miracle in the gospel record because it's the only miracle other than the resurrection that is recorded in all four of the gospels, all of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all record this miracle, which says something about the impact that this particular miracle had upon the hearts and the minds of the early church. And also at this time in our lives, this miracle also says a lot to us today. However, we're going to take a look at this lesson and we're going to make note of a few reasons why this wonderful act of ministry, this marvelous miracle could have been prevented, could have been blocked, could not have happened for many reasons. It could have been prevented from taking place. And so, first of all, 
from a natural, realistic, worldly perspective, the job was just too big for the resources on hand. That is to say now, they had an overwhelming task. They had this task put in front of them with too little to complete it. Just look at the story. Jesus and his disciples were faced with the task of feeding 5,000 hungry men plus women plus children. If there was a woman or a child there for every man, then they were faced with anywhere from 10 to 15,000 hungry people to feed. And yet they only had five loaves of bread and two fish with which to work with. So, so from a rational and realistic standpoint, that was reason enough to just send the people away hungry, some of whom were so hungry that they probably would have fainted or died on the way home. Child of God, the significance of this whole overwhelming situation that Jesus and his disciples found themselves faced with is, is this. They stood in a place where we often find ourselves. Oh yeah. It is often the case that we are as sojourners on this earthly journey that we are faced to. Faced with overwhelming problems and too few resources to deal with them. As a matter of fact, it is frequently the case that our crisis occur because we do not have enough of something. That's one of the that's one of the major, major problems that we are facing in this present pandemic. One, we were not prepared for this. Many of us were just one check away from homelessness before the pandemic. And then our jobs ended suddenly. And many people are left with no money, no food, and no shelter. No money for basic human needs. So we find ourselves in a crisis because we don't have enough of something. Not enough money, not enough time, not enough support, Lord help us. Not enough energy, no, no, not enough understanding. What's going on, not enough opportunity. Oh, not enough wisdom, not, not, not enough of something. Oh, and it's, it's frequently the case that, that this whole situation of not having enough of something, not having enough of something to deal with the problem or difficulty, it's just, it's just enough to discourage us from doing anything at all. Huh? Just, just don't, can't do nothing. You know what I remember when I was out of a job and my money was running out and I was so depressed that I could not even get out of bed. I had two children and a daddy. I was in such a dark place. And at that time, I had always been too proud to ask, even for a raise. Even back then, with all these people to take care of, I wasn't making but $18,000 a year. Say. I was working much more than I was making. My father lived with me for some years before he passed. And you know what I can remember one time when the lights were turned off because I couldn't pay the bill? And daddy asked, can I help? 
I have a little money in my pocket. And I answered, no, daddy. It's my time to take care of you, not you take care of me. So my daddy got on the phone, called my best friend at the time and asked her to go with him downtown to pay the utilities because I was crazy. And guess what? When they got there, they found out that the utilities had just been paid. And until this day, until this day, beloved, I don't know who paid them. Well, yes, I do. It's a miracle. I know about miracles. But also I have learned that many times we allow our pride to get in the way of our blessings. That's why the Bible teaches we have not because we ask not. Our depression gets in the way of our blessings. Because when we do get depressed, we might just act like the disciples did in our scripture lesson. You see, the disciples responded to the situation of not having enough with this. They said, well, if there is not enough to do what needs to be done, then we will not do anything. Their response was, Lord, we just have to send them away hungry and weak. <laughs> now that's depression and hopelessness. And that's Beloved, please know that the problem with this perspective is that it is the so-called realistic rational perspective. The, the realistic rational perspective says when we are faced with an overwhelming task and don't have enough to deal with, and it's then that we just do nothing about it. Oh, but, but I'm so glad that we know the Lord. But the spiritual Transrational perspective is that when we have an overwhelming task and not enough to deal with, it is then that we should take what we have and give it to a man named Jesus. <laughs> My mother would say, take what you have and make what you need. She was so creative. Because, because what we have together with what God has is always more than enough. And the beauty of all of this is that we always have something or somebody, praise God, for good people, who's waiting and willing to help us. Oh, what we have may not be enough in our eyes, physical eyes. But the whole point is that what we see with the natural eye does not really matter. It's not what we see that really counts. Because we can look at a situation and see no hope. Oh, but God, God can look at a situation and see the greatest potential. We need only to use what and who we have and then trust God. Give it to Jesus to see us through. Well, listen, listen. In my letting go of my selfish pride, I... I learned that God had placed my daddy with me, not just for me to care for him, but for me to allow him to be a part of the solution to some of the problems that I faced. Because what I realized is that helping me just a little bit from time to time 
made him feel important and useful. Oh, God will always provide our every need. Be aware, be aware on the spiritual level, according to his riches, and not just money, riches, and glory. Somebody can say amen, because you know what I'm talking about. And so as we look at this episode in the life of Jesus, we see that there is even another reason why this miracle could have been prevented from taking place. And that reason is that Jesus was at an emotionally low point. Oh, yeah. In fact, Jesus was probably at one of the lowest emotional points of his ministry. I can hear somebody asking, well, Pastor, how do we know that? You see, we know from reading what happened just prior to this ministry of Jesus by the sea in Galilee. Just, just a chapter up in the same gospel. You see, just before this scenario, Jesus was in his own hometown in Nazareth of Galilee. And when he received the news that his cousin, John the Baptist, the one person in the whole world who would probably understood him better than anyone else, that John had been executed by Herod the king. And this the reason he was executed was because he spoke out against Herod's illicit affair with his sister-in-law. And this news was such a crushing blow to Jesus that Jesus wanted to withdraw from his homeland. He had to just get away from people. He needed some place to sort things out and just pull himself back together. He needed to just get back together emotionally. Now, now it may be hard for some of us to believe that Jesus was ever depressed or emotionally crushed. But my Bible tells me that he was tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he was without sin, fully human and fully God. That tells me that Jesus experienced depression and despair because we have experienced depression and despair. And the loss of his cousin was such a blow to Jesus that the gospel says he withdrew to a lonely place. Oh, it's easy to understand why Jesus withdrew to a lonely place. He was just trying to get away. He, he didn't want to see any people. You know how it is when you down? I don't want us to like to see people when I'm down. I need to work on that. He was hurting and sad. And do you think that when they saw that Jesus was trying to get away to a lonely place to deal with his own sorrow and anguish, that they allowed him to do so? No, no. The gospel says they all followed him to the other side. I can see it now. Jesus thought that he was getting away when he got in the boat to sail over to the opposite side of the Sea of Galilee. Oh, but, but, but. But when the people discovered, people will kill you when they need you too much. But when the people discovered that, that he was leaving, they all walked on foot around the northern edge of the sea. And by the time Jesus landed on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, there they all were just waiting and needing him. <laughs> oh, 
child of God, you know what? There was a time in my life and ministry when it seemed to me that everybody in the world was counting on me for something. I'm a firstborn, so I kind of felt I could deal with that. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about. People look to you for everything, think you can do everything. People would come to me for everything, and, and I want it. Oh, yeah. I tried to be there for all of them. And I can remember times when I was so tired, so tired, pastoring in Compton, doing the time of war in the midst of a war. I was so tired. I didn't know how I was going to put one foot in front of the other. So tired that I would cry myself to sleep. So worn out, I thought I was going to die. <sighs> but you know what? When I said I was tired, people ignored me. If I said I was busy, they ignored me. If I looked worn out, they ignored me. If I asked for help, they didn't hear me. But I learned something. I learned that frequently when we find ourselves at our lowest emotional point, that many times that's the time when we must face some of our greatest challenges. That's when the test really comes. And this is where Jesus was. He, he could have said, you know what, Father, Lord, my cousin has just been killed. I can't deal with this right now. That's not what he said. The Bible says that when Jesus saw all those people there, he had compassion on them. Don't you know about compassion? He had compassion on them and he healed their sicknesses. When you know Jesus, you become filled. Beloved, many times when we are in despair and when we are discouraged and when we are sad, the last thing we want to think about is letting God use us anyhow. But I'm saying to you today that this is not the way because when we are in despair and sorrow, the best thing and the most therapeutic thing many times for us to do is just to keep right on working for God. That's when the miracles happen. When I've said to God, I can't do it, and God says, watch me in your weakness. Be your strength, little girl. And then that's what Jesus did. When he saw all of those people, instead of trying to get away, he loved them, he healed them, and fed them. He is a miracle maker. But there was another reason. Yep, another reason, reason number three. Why the miracle by the sea could have been blocked, and that was Jesus was surrounded by the disappointment of other people. He was, he was especially surrounded by the discouragement of those closest to him, namely his disciples. And listen to the first thing the disciples said when they saw the evening wearing on. Lord, this is a lonely place. 
and the day is now over. Why don't you just send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves? In other words, Lord, we tired. And we know that you tired. Turn the people away so we can get some rest. But this was not Jesus' desire. So he said to them, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Oh, and do you think they jumped at the chance? No, no. They came back with another discouragement, another excuse. Lord, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. And naturally, that was supposed to settle a whole issue. Listen, listen. We must realize what was going on with Jesus here. In order to do that, we have to go back one chapter in the Gospel of Matthew again. When we do that, we realize that Jesus was really going through a series of emotional pain. Sometimes when it rains, it pours. Okay, first before he heard about the death of his cousin John, Jesus was in his hometown of Nazareth where he was rejected by his own kin people. And I can hear them saying, who does he think he is? He ain't nobody. His daddy was Joseph the Carpenter, and his mother was that woman, Mary. You know what? People are sometimes so messy. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that they took offense at him in his hometown, and they, he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. And then after going through this rejection, he received the crushing news about John. And then after that, he still couldn't get any quiet rest alone. And now, and now, he is trying to get a task done on his own. And his own disciples are not being very supportive. Because they don't think they have enough resource to get the job done. I wonder why they didn't remember all the miracles they had seen Jesus work. And not believe that he could still do anything. You know what I thought about? I thought about if Jesus was a United Methodist preacher, he would have called the bishop and said, Bishop, point me somewhere else, please. I must confess that I did that one time. And praise God, the DS said, it's not time to go. And that was in year five, and I left in year 20. Praise God's holy name. Child of God. Yes, it's hard to be an instrument of God when we don't have very much support and when we're already in an emotional valley and when people have rejected us and when we just don't have very much to work with anyway. It's kind of like being a black female pastor. Just how. But what we need to focus on is what Jesus did. That's how we make it when we remember what Jesus did and when we remember what Jesus can do. Can you see what Jesus did? They told him, Lord, we only have five loaves and two fish. But Jesus said, bring them here to me. Bring them here. Bring them. Bring them to me. Bring what you have and give it to me. That's what Jesus said. And that's what he's saying to us today. 
Because, dear one, sometimes all that we have is ourselves and nobody else. But the Bible says, Jesus said, bring what you have and give what you have to Jesus. Sometimes all we have is a little faith that we bring to this situation. But the Bible is saying, take what you have, give that to Jesus. Sometimes all that we have is just just a little idea of what God wants us to do. But the Bible says, take what you have and give it to Jesus. Sometimes all we have is a big job to do and a little bit to do it with. But the Bible says, take what you have and give it to Jesus. And so the lesson I've learned is that you really don't know Jesus until it's just you and Jesus. You know, my mother died when I was in my early 20s, and my father was much older than my mother, and he died when my children were young. Oh, I know what it is to be on my own, just me and Jesus. I tell my children that they have someone in their lives that I never had, me. You see, my struggle was real, and it had to be you can't be a preacher and not go through struggle and you can't be a preacher and not have a test because you've got to have a testimony oh my struggle was real but my testimony today is this Jesus is my more than enough Jesus is my more than enough. And just like Jesus showed his disciples what he could do with the little, he took five loaves of bread and two fish and he fed thousands of hungry people to overflowing. He's a miracle-making God. He has shown me that over and over and over again. I can count the miracles. I remember the miracles. And sometimes I ask for an encore, Jesus, can you please do that one again? Because I know that Jesus is a miracle-making, wonder-working God. How do I know? One reason I know is that I'm still here. How would you know? Go look in the mirror and say, I'm a miracle. I'm still here. And so the Bible is saying, if God is for us, who can be against us? The Bible says, with God on our side, Five can chase a hundred and a hundred could chase 10,000. That's why Paul the Apostle said, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Oh, Jesus is a miracle-making God, I tell you. Give the little you have, beloved, to Jesus and watch him take it and work a miracle. Therefore, no matter what you have, depression, anxiety, sickness, grief, fear, unrest, give it to Jesus, beloved, and start looking for a miracle in the midst of a virus, in the midst of death and confusion. You sing with the songwriter during this time of trouble. You sing like you know who Jesus is and what Jesus can do when you take him what you have. Sing, I'm looking. I'm looking for a miracle. I expect the impossible. I feel the intangible. I expect the impossible. And I see 
the invisible. I expect a miracle every day because I know that God will make a way out of no way. Just believe it and receive it and God will perform it today. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Beloved, I pray that this word from the Lord has blessed you. And so I open the doors of the church and invite you to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you have never given your life to Jesus, do it today because doing that will determine where you spend eternity. And if you'd like to join us here at Pacoma First United Methodist Church, please write, text, or email and we will respond. And also, also, I do hope that you would hit the thumbs up button if you enjoyed or was blessed by this service and subscribe to our channel. And I also offer you an opportunity to give financially to this ministry. Just go to our website and give with a cheerful heart. And remember, spread the word of God by sharing this podcast. And so until next time, you expect a miracle from Jesus every day. Take him what you have and watch him. Make a miracle. And as we leave, now may the grace of the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with every one of you. In the name of Jesus, I pray it. Amen. I'm looking for a Just believe.